everybody. So we're so excited today uh, that we are here to do the second part in our uh, winter movie recap. Uh, we're talking about the indie movies and uh, streaming, streaming movies from uh, 2018, uh, November, December, and then January 2019. So this could be really fun. I'm also going to be doing a quick Sundance recap uh, at the end that will be a lot of fun. And I'm Rachel, and I am joined here by David. Hey, I am here again. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yes, thanks for coming. This is always so much fun. And I was very uh, <laughs> engulfed by Christmas movies. So uh, there's a bunch of these I haven't seen. Uh, right. But um, uh, like I said, uh, I, I will talk about the ultimate in indies, talk about Sundance, uh, which was really great this year. So uh, let's just dive in and get started. So first we had A Private War. And you got to see this? I did see this. Uh, yeah, so this is about a, a real-life reporter who um, reports from all these different wars. Um, and um, there's not a lot that I can say about this because it, it isn't a movie that left a strong impression on me. I thought it was well done. Um, there, was, there was like an emotional part near the end. But other than that, I, I didn't think it was uh, the strongest of this type of film. Um, so, yeah, it didn't leave a lasting impression. Uh, I uh -huh. put this at 151 for the year. And out of 200. Total? Yeah, out of 226 movies okay. for 2018. Okay, great. Okay, and then Boy Erased, which I, I, was, I really, I, I just haven't had a chance to see it yet, which I really want to see it. What did you so, think? Yeah, this is actually a very, very strong film for me. Um, and it's interesting because I got to watch this film. It's, it's about um, Lucas Hedges' character is um, forced to go to uh, gay conversion uh, therapy by his parents. Um, his dad's a pastor. But um, I got to watch this at my local art house theater with the mother from the film the real life mother oh. from this film so that was a very cool experience and it was it was a pretty intimate setting there there was maybe 25 people in the theater and she did a q and a afterwards um so i may sound biased just because i got to talk to her i got to ask her questions i got to hug her she was super sweet but the movie by she itself she liked the movie as far as she did yeah this trail. was her yeah, this was her third time watching it. Um, and it's based on a book that her son wrote. Um, but yeah, uh, she she really enjoyed it. Her, her husband has not seen the film. He, uh, he definitely doesn't have the same position as she does. So it was interesting to learn about that, the kind of behind the scenes. But um, yeah, this is a great movie, I think. Um, I think it's it's kind of robbed during this award season. I thought Nicole Kidman was very, very good. Like, if I had to be, pick a Best Supporting Actress from this year, I'd probably give it to Nicole Kidman mm. for her portrayal in Boy Erased. Um, this movie made me uh, have a lot of feelings. Um, it, it, it did its job perfectly, I thought. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't recommend this film anymore. 
Um, it's the second of this kind that I've seen. There was uh, the miseducation of Cameron Post, which we both watched mm -hmm. and we both enjoyed that. I think this is a lot better actually. Mm -hmm. So I put this at number 10 for the year. Mm. I, I definitely, I will watch it. I'll yeah. let you know what I think. Good. Uh, yeah. I, I've heard nothing but, but good things about it. So I'm excited to see it. Uh, mm -hmm. So then you saw Maria by Callas. Yes. This is a documentary about an opera singer. And I remember watching the trailer in a movie theater once and I was just, mesmerized like i thought this woman she was a very famous opera singer in maria Callas. yeah 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 um she was a famous opera singer in the uh, 50s 60s around that time mm -hmm. um and they just made it look like she was such a diva uh yet so talented um watching the movie i didn't think it was as compelling of a story as i expected she really was a pretty normal woman. Um, she had a lot of interesting things going on in her life. Um, but it, the highlights of the film were actually the times that it would stop for a good three or four minutes and just show us one of her performances. Uh, it was very, very beautiful, uh, the way she sang. And I'm not a big opera person, but that was very impressive. Mm -hmm. I liked it. I, I didn't... I didn't felt like it had had a driving plot, so that made it suffer a little bit. So I ranked this at 180 for the year, but it's still very good. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, then we have the holiday calendar. And so this is one of the Christmas movies we can actually talk about. <laughs> uh, that I, I thought that this was sweet enough it's not like one of my favorites of the year but uh you know they have this kind of magic calendar i don't think they did quite enough with the calendar it kind of got forgotten about halfway through the movie but i really liked the lead guy i'd never seen him in anything before but i thought he was pretty charismatic and charming and just a little bit different than you typically see in these kind of movies um i i thought that she was a little too unlikable for too long they needed her sort of con conversion to christmas a little bit sooner i think uh it just kind of was like why is this guy even interested in her she's being a jerk but um but nevertheless i still thought it was cute enough i enjoyed it uh so uh i don't know what did you think i haven't seen this one Oh, you didn't see it. Okay. Nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have it at number 100 in my ranking. Okay. So, all right. So at Eternity's Gate, uh, that's the Vincent Van Gogh movie, right? It is. Yeah. Um, so Willem Dafoe plays uh, Vincent Van Gogh in this. Um, and he did a great job. This is a very interesting film. Um, it's very artistic. It's got a lot of extreme close-ups. Um I think this is a much better film than Loving Vincent, which uh -huh. I thought was pretty boring, actually. Yeah, um, yeah, you get to you get to see a lot into his character with this film. Loving Vincent was more of trying to discover what happened to him after his death, mm -hmm. um, but this is actually during his life. Um, so yeah, I I think this uh, is a very strong film. Um, there were times that I did get a little bit bored uh, just because it's a little slower paced. Uh, but yeah, it's still high quality. Uh, I ranked this at 
129 for the year. Hmm. Okay, good. All right. Uh, yeah, it was weird. Uh, our local art house, I, I thought about seeing it and then, uh, it had mismarketed that it was three hours long. And I was like, Ooh, oh. three hours long, but it turned out that was wrong. Right. And no, so I went and saw something else instead. I can't remember what that was, but, um, but anyway, it's just like, like uh, they had a, I guess it's maybe, two hours long. Maybe uh, they were putting uh, how long loving Vincent felt. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, it was a dual screening. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so you saw Fathers and Sons? I did. I actually just watched this right before we uh, started podcasting today. Um, this is nominated for Best Documentary at the Oscars this year, and I'm doing my best to watch as many Oscar-nominated films as I can, and I'm uh-huh. getting very, very close. I only have, I think I have 14 shorts to watch and three films to watch, and then yes. I will have seen everything that's nominated. That's really um, cool. Yeah, this was actually a very interesting uh, movie. I didn't know anything about it going into it, uh, but somehow this this uh, filmmaker was able to gain the trust of this um this jihadist um and spend a lot of time with him and his four sons who he is raising up to be part of the taliban uh to be in the jihad um and it it was very crazy that I, i that i could watch that um just unfold and it's something I never would have expected a documentary uh, maker could get away with. And it's, it's very heartbreaking watching like this extremely uh, radicalized man who hates um, anybody who doesn't think like him, hates Americans. And he's got these innocent kids who range uh, from probably about six to 13 and they just want to be kids. And he is uh, just forcing these extreme, extreme beliefs on them. They want to be kids, but they have to actually go to this. Uh, it shows the two older ones. They go to this training um, at 12 and 13. They're learning to shoot guns. Um, and it's just heartbreaking to watch, but it was very well made. Um, it's it's not super entertaining from that disposable perspective. Like, um, it's it's just it's very informative, I would say. Um, so I don't know that it's a fun watch, but I think it's something that everybody should check out. Um, and it's hard to rank after just watching it, but yeah. I I did put it at one hundred fifty eight, just based on the fact that there's a lot more entertaining movies i've seen uh-huh. in 2018 but um if i were trying to be more objective i'd have this a lot higher uh-huh. interesting okay good all right and then what is cam i don't even know that yeah cam is actually a netflix film that came out uh in november and it is about a webcam girl um i'm not sure if you know what that is but basically it's a uh, yeah. somebody who gets undressed and like maybe not even fully, but yeah, to, to make money online. Um, but 
it's actually a really clever uh, horror film about this girl who's a webcam girl and she has one of her customers. Um, she starts getting weird messages from him and it just takes a bizarre turn. I don't want to give anything away. Um, it has a little bit of a new of nudity. It's not too inappropriate. Uh-huh. So I feel like this is something that a lot of people could watch if you're like very uh-huh. conservative with what you like to watch then probably stay away from this. But um, it's very well made. I think it has, it's in the 90s on Rotten Tomatoes. It's, it's uh, I think it's one of the better Netflix originals I've seen. And it's kind of a shame that it went under the radar for a lot of people huh. uh, while everybody's talking about Bird Box. <laughs> yeah, but, interesting. Um, yeah, uh, I'd recommend it. Where do you have it ranked? Oh, I have this at 63 for the year. Okay, cool. Good. All right. Then we have the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And so this is our Western themed shorts from the Coen brothers and the Coen brothers haven't made a comedy that I've liked in a long time. And I particularly didn't like Hail Caesar. I felt like it was just sort of, they, I feel like what they've been doing in some of their recent movies is paying homage to the, to certain styles and genres but not like having a good story to go along with all of that pretty you know looking stuff and these were i thought for the most part very forgettable i i'm not going to remember any of them i think going forward i thought that the best one was the one about the girl uh falling in love um yeah with the with that guy i i thought that was sweet uh they were fine i didn't hate it but I, like I, I was more way more irritated with hail caesar just because i thought it was like things things like that that submarine thing was so boring to me and frustrating and uh this they were fine but i just thought they were very forgettable they were, they looked nice but i didn't think any of them were funny um personally um Ooh. yeah Ooh. no it was not funny and uh so i have it 121 it was, okay. I, I wasn't thrilled with them so maybe i'm biased i i love the coen brothers are my favorite directors um it's i i mean i like all of their movies that i've seen but um this one when i first watched it i didn't know how to process it because it's uh, you've got five different stories going on and i like them to varying levels um okay. i actually thought the first one uh was the best the the um i can never remember his name he's in a lot of their movies but yeah um it's kind of like a musical uh but but as a whole and after watching it a second time i really enjoyed this a lot i mean i i thought each story was compelling in its own right um i liked the casting i liked the art direction i guess uh, i like some of the twists that it had I thought it was very entertaining and mm-hmm. um, I had one of my friends watch it with me the second time and he really enjoyed it as well. So um, yeah, I'm very happy. It's uh, I think it's got three Oscar nominations. Um, yes. Uh, including that song. I was just like, Oh, what's going on? I love that song. Oh my gosh. One of the best, it was one of the best years for music 
in the film. Oh, you're a hater, so, Rachel. <laughs> no, it was not that great of a song. And I mean, when <laughs> I think fun. of like their early comedies, like Raising Arizona, I am in stitches watching that right. movie. That movie is so memorable and so funny. And it's not just about, you know, these rednecks. It's actually like, it's 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 more than just the sort of the set pieces it's more than just the the it's so the script is so funny and our, you know brother worked out so funny and i just i don't think that they have made anything even close to that for so long but that's just my i think fargo is not just this like cute midwestern setting it's a good story and it's a good script with with really likable characters that like margie is such a great character and i i don't know i just don't think that they've come close to anything like that in so long and it's frustrating to me because i feel like they have these good ingredients but then it's just not i don't know well i mean the standard is very high for them so you're talking about what i would consider some of the best films ever honestly like yeah, especially talking about fargo um but I, I still thought it was very good and it wasn't all meant to be funny there were some and i like that it had different tones for different uh stories in this but yeah i liked it a lot as a whole and i ranked this at number 36 for the year very good cool good all right so then we had the clove hitch killer <laughs> <laughs> yeah Does it sound like my cup of tea <laughs> uh it's actually not that bad it oh, okay it's yeah it's um i was mainly interested in this when i found out it had charlie Plummer because i think uh-huh. i think he's someone to watch um so he's the the lead character in this and it's about him uh his town uh famously has this uh serial killer uh from I think it was from before he was born um and that serial killer would like tie people up with a clove pitch knot um but there are um there's reason to believe that that serial killer is active again um it's a lot like um what was it summer of summer of 83 was that what 93 oh summer of 84 84 yes the the, you know, um, the the horror one yes it's a lot like that except i think this is a, a lot uh better personally uh, it is kind of slow um i didn't i didn't get into the, the main plot point is that charlie Plummer suspects that his dad uh, may be this serial killer um but yeah it, it definitely kept my int- attention um it has its slow points. It definitely feels like a small screen movie, um, which I'm sure that's why it uh, was a streaming film and it wasn't released theatrically, at least not that I know of. But I think it's enjoyable enough. I put this at 127 for the year. Okay, good. All right. Uh, then we had The Front Runner. I just watched this last night, actually, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really solid. I, I mean, I like Jason Reitman's movies for the most part. Um, but I thought that especially sort of the parts involving the press and sort of their, you know, for a long time, they had just any kind of extramarital stuff. They just kind of not reported about because mm-hmm. it wasn't considered 
uh, appropriate. You know, when they're, talk they're talking there about Kennedy and how they just not reported a lot of that kind of stuff. And then how their sort of transition because of this Gary Hart thing, their transition to, uh, to covering it and how that changed everything in the way that the press has worked since. I thought that was all really good. And where it doesn't work quite as well is kind of the way that they decided to portray Gary Hart as kind of this victim of the process where he was not a victim. It's his fault. If he didn't want to uh to have this problem, then he should have been faithful to his wife and not not done this. Uh he is, you know, I just felt like he was they were kind of trying to portray him and he was trying to portray him as this sort of oh woe is me you know kind of thing where i was like eh, not so much um but i, I thought it was that was way better than i was expecting that's for sure so okay yeah uh so i actually disagree with you about their portrayal of gary hart i thought that they presented him in a very fair unbiased light uh -huh. it it didn't feel like they were telling you how to think about him I felt like they, they were leaving that up to you. Like, here's what he did. Here's the reaction of the press. Now, what do you think? Do you think he deserved it? Do you think he didn't? I really felt like they laid that, that burden on the audience, personally. Um, the, so Well, I mean, it was just like his, his sort of portrayal of like, uh, I, I just felt like they were kind of portraying him as uh, like, they should have the press should have just left him alone and this was just uh that he had all these good ideas and therefore he shouldn't have been treated like this hmm. yeah i i did not get that impression yeah. um i yeah he was a little whiny to me he was which would be like you would expect that i mean that's that's his own defense of himself i thought they kind of made him look like a bad guy um at times uh -huh. um I thought they were fair with him, honestly. Um, mm. And yeah, I did like that part of it, that they, they didn't seem to take a firm position on either side of it. They just presented a story to you. But that's that's how I took it. Um, uh -huh. Overall, it didn't leave a strong impression on me. I, I forgot most of it after seeing it. So I put this at 138. It's, it's good from what I remember, but not super memorable. I have it as 51. Okay. It's definitely trying to do like Aaron Sorkin light. Right. <laughs> For sure. But, uh, but I don't know. It was better than I expected. So maybe that's partly the expectations. Um, so anyway. Uh, so then next was the Christmas Chronicles. This was on, uh, this was on Netflix. And uh, this was really fun. This uh, is Kurt Russell playing this kind of kick butt version of Santa Claus. And you've got these two teens that end up getting stowed away in his sleigh and they go on this kind of adventure together. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. And um, I thought Kurt Russell was having a great time and I liked the little elves. They were <laughs> really cute and evil at the same time, which was fun kind of had a gremlins sort of feel to it i enjoyed that uh it felt sort of old school and uh yeah the only thing i didn't really like is i thought the um the hoodlums who are kind of out to get them were a little too mean uh for this kind of movie like if i had kids i'd be a little bit concerned about that also uh 
I thought maybe the Jailhouse Rock parts kind of got a, were a little too long. Maybe could have been shortened a little bit, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I didn't see this one. So. Oh, yeah. This, <laughs> this one was fun. I have it at 45 in my room. Okay. So I'd recommend it. Cool. Uh, so next is Shoplifters. I was actually really excited for this movie because I love the director, Hirokazu Korida. I think he, he makes uh, movies with such humanity for his characters. And uh, his, I just love his movies. And I was really looking forward to this. It got rave reviews from cons and won big prizes. And I ended up really loving it. I thought it was a wonderful movie. I, it kind of feels like a, there was something kind of Dickensian for me about it. It was almost like this new Oliver twist. Uh, and what I liked is you have this group that, that is a family and that loves each other. And that's, that's, uh, that is not supposed to, like, we all know that they should be together and that they should be allowed to love each other, but they're, you know, they're not supposed to as far as the law is concerned. So you have this kind of natural order of things versus what is legal and right as yeah. far as the law. And uh, so there's that dynamic. And I thought, uh, I don't know, I thought all the performances were great. The little two little kids are so cute, oh, adorable. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, it was one of my favorites of the year. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I just watched this one uh, less than a week ago. So hmm um it finally came to my town but yeah i really enjoyed it i mean mm -hmm. it's been a it's been a very strong year for foreign films and i think mm -hmm. this is one of the stronger ones i've seen yeah um it it definitely likes the the plot the story the family dynamics it slowly unravels which i appreciated i mm -hmm. kept learning more as i went along and a lot of it surprised me um mm -hmm whenever you figure out everything that's that's gone on um yeah I, beautiful uh, cinematography in this too mm -hmm. um very heartfelt um yeah i really enjoyed this oh cool i wasn't sure if you'd like it because it's kind of slice of life and mm -hmm. uh you're uh, you're more mixed on that than uh, uh i i sometimes joke that i think Kirida Kurida is the Richard Linklater of Japan. So I wasn't sure if you would oh, like it. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um but I don't know. I I'm glad to hear that you connected with it cuz I think that's the key is you sort of connect emotionally with these characters mm -hmm. and uh, and then go on the story with them and uh particularly when they're being interrogated, I I don't know, I thought it was really moving and kind of mm -hmm. tragic and uh yeah, it was it's great. I have it at number 8. Okay, I have it at 69. Very good. Good. Okay. Um, all right. So then we have The Favorite. This was uh, is Oscar-nominated film. Uh, this is, what's it, Yargos? How do you Yargos say? Lanthimos. Lanthimos, yeah. Uh, and this uh, is a comedy about Queen Anne and her, uh, and her I don't know what you call them uh but her assistant i i don't know what you call him but anyway <laughs> um you have uh emma stone and rachel weiss supporting uh queen anne played by olivia coleman and i thought 
this movie was uh, well, it was honestly better than i expected because i was not a big fan of the lobster and right. uh but i do feel like his films are kind of top heavy they start out with interesting ideas and and then they kind of lose steam by the end but i thought this one did better about that much better than the lobster um this movie was really funny i think especially the first first like 45 minutes i think were were very funny mm-hmm. um and then it starts to get a little repetitive with things um but you know the performances are great uh and overall i enjoyed it i thought it was in an entertaining movie okay yeah, so this is called The Favorite, and out of all the movies that we are discussing on both of these podcasts, this is my favorite. Oh, okay. I love this movie. Um, ah. I had high expectations, which can be dangerous for me, uh-huh. but it did not disappoint at all. This is uh, one of those films that as soon as I saw it, I could have turned right back around and walked into the theater and watched it again. Um, I have seen it twice. I watched it uh, fairly soon after the first time I saw it. But yeah, it it was hilarious for me. I really liked the performances. I was not familiar with Olivia Coleman, but she was so good in this. Yeah, she's great. Everything in her face, her eyes, all the subtleties, she nailed it. Like, I would, I would love to see her win the Oscar. I know she won't, but... Um, I thought she did a great job and I really enjoyed seeing uh, this get the love um, that it deserves um, as far as nominations. Like if you look at all the different, the various uh, awards um, beyond just the Oscars, Uh it's, it's the movie that's been getting the most nominations overall. Mm -hmm. So I'm very pleased with that. I couldn't recommend this anymore. It's great. I love it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I have it at 60. Okay. So I did enjoy I, it. Yeah. I have it at number four. All right. Very good. Okay. Uh, so what do you have it? What's your number one of the year? Hereditary is my number one oh, of, number the, one, of so. the year. Very Speaking good. of best actress, Tony <laughs> Collette was robbed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard that. Uh, yep. So then we had Mariah and this was uh I was really looking forward to this because uh, Momoro Hosada is a wonderful director. He's all of his movies have been really good. And I, 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 it was interesting because his movies have been really sci-fi and there's a mild sci-fi, I guess, in here. Uh, It's kind of almost like a Christmas Carol in a way, like all these, you know, this little kid can't uh, get along with his new sister. And so he's visited by all these kind of basically spirits, you know, to tell him how to behave and what he should do. And, and uh including it shouldn't be called mirai because that's just one of the sort of spirits it should be right. called kin the the little boy uh but anyway i thought this was really charming it was very sweet um and it's smaller in feel and tone than his other movies like his other movies are kind of bigger sci-fi stories um so that was enjoyable i thought it had some funny parts i liked the fact that you know kind of the it's the dad who's sort of trying to take care of this, this 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 child and this new baby and i thought you know it's sort of a theme of this year you know with mr incredible and now with this and mm-hmm. some other stuff uh, it was like a 
uh, year for, I guess maybe even Holtz of Transylvania three in a way. It's like the year for animated dads. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this was sweet. And I thought it was beautifully animated. And I was so excited to see it get nominated for Best Animated Film because it's the first non-Studio Ghibli anime, anime film to get nominated because Your Name wasn't nominated and Silent Voice wasn't nominated. And I think those were very worthy. Um, so anyway, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, so anime is not my specialty and I'm not particularly fond of anime. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, this was actually a very creative film. I liked the concept. I can see the Christmas Carol idea uh-huh. um, there. Um, visually, I, I don't, I just don't like anime animation. It doesn't work for me. Uh-huh. Um, so that that was something kind of holding me back from really enjoying this film. Uh-huh. Uh, I just I just don't like how they draw their characters. It's very very basic and outdated for me. I know a lot of people love it, and I'm probably going to get hate mail. <laughs> but um, uh, now I can understand. I I actually think there can be quite variety in anime. Okay. Um, but uh but uh in in the some of you know with sort of the the classic kind of look uh i i get it that there's sort of a, a, an overall style um and you know people have just different tastes and in, in art but i appreciate that you still found things you liked about it um yeah, yeah so i have it at 19 okay i have it at 169 so okay. and i still like appreciated it for yeah. what it was just not not personally my cup of tea. I think it's one of the most um, original animated films I've seen in the past year. Yeah, there you go. Very good. Okay. Uh, so then we, uh, then Anna and the Apocalypse is our next up. And this was a movie that I was very much looking forward to. Uh, it's just, I love Christmas movies. I love musicals. And, uh, and you know, you got this zombie <laughs> component and I ended up really loving it. I thought it was really just creative and exuberant. And I, I just smiled throughout. I liked all of the songs, particularly the Hollywood ending sequence. I thought was really fun. I really liked the, um, uh, the, the, um, another day in my life sequence where she's walking to school and the the zombie apocalypse is happening all around her but she's just caught up in her own world and own life i thought that was really great and i i thought that some of the zombieifying was very surprising i there were people that got turned into zombies that i did not expect uh that you know i don't want to give spoilers but it really i was like whoa i was not expecting that person to to go and uh i don't know i thought that it was just energetic and joyful and i really enjoyed it so there you go um okay so i feel bad for doing this but i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of tear this movie apart okay <laughs> um i think it doesn't really work on its own as a zombie film. It doesn't work on its own as a musical. It doesn't work on its own as a Christmas film. The sum of its parts, it kind of works. Like it's creative if you add those elements together. But yeah, I, th- I think it felt like it was wasted potential. I didn't really care for the music. I thought it 
seemed very, very uh, basic and uh, like something I've heard a million times in like the cheapest musicals. And that's honestly, a lot of it just felt really cheap to me. Uh, it felt like maybe something that any amateur could have written. And then, and I'm making it sound like I really hate it, but I don't hate it. I just was disappointed by it. Um, I wish it could have been a lot better. Uh, even the villain, I really thought he was uh, too much of a cartoon character. But it, with that said, I still put it at 104, and that's because those elements combined kind of worked. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's just different tastes in music yeah. and things like that. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I I know, I just, I really, I thought that um, the, uh, I did think that the villain as far as the principal was over the mm -hmm. top and a little grating. So that was my least favorite part of the movie. But um, I actually thought that her, sort of the jock guy, her ex was actually yeah. a pretty decent character. I liked, yes. I, you know, because you're expecting him to just be completely one note, but like him having to like kill his father and like, and I don't know, I thought that was actually pretty good and I just really enjoyed it. So what can I say? Mm -hmm. I no, thought, that's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. And there were some unpredictable elements, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like uh, at least one of the characters I did not expect to die when they did. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so I have it in number nine. Okay. It was, it was one of my favorites of the year. I just, it's so one I'm definitely gonna, I think it totally feels like the kind of thing that'll be a cult classic that people will watch every year for I Christmas. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that's going to be one for me that I think I'm going to watch. And I, you know, it, it did, uh, I did have a really memorable podcast uh, with Sean Chandler where we talked all about it and talked about gremlins. And I think it has some of that kind of feel of, of gremlins for me, that kind okay. of, that, that kind of mixture of sort of horror with Christmas, with comedy that you get in something like gremlins. And so it, it was, it was really uh, memorable for me. Um, but I can understand it wouldn't be for everybody. So, all right. Uh, then you you saw all the creatures were stirring. Yes. Yeah, so this is uh, kind of a horror anthology Christmas movie, um, and I knew it had uh, I can't remember her name. The lead in Crazy Rich Asians. I knew she was in this, so that uh -huh. kind of made me curious about this. Um, Overall, it was kind of disappointing. Um, I don't think many of the stories within this, like, like really, um, uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it. None of them were super compelling. Um, there were some funny elements, like the vengeful Rudolph story, where a guy uh, hits a deer with his car, and you find out that it's one of Santa's reindeer. So he's being stalked by this bright red light behind him. And eventually Rudolph comes to his house and gets revenge. So it was, it was interesting. Um, fun. Yeah. I think you would like it. Yeah. Um, it certainly isn't, it, it does have that horror element to it, but it's not, it's not too scary. It's not yeah. gory. Um, so you might want to check it out. It, it felt very amateur though. Uh, the production camera quality it felt uh, definitely like it 
it didn't have any sort of was this released at just a straight to streaming or yes yeah. yeah so um i'm sure you can find it since uh you're probably needing more christmas movies to watch right <laughs> that's right i thought i got them all no i haven't nope I, I even watched yeah. santa jaws which was actually surprisingly fun um, <laughs> Uh, yeah <laughs> so I, I actually have this ranked pretty low um i don't hate it though but i have it at 200 okay good all right um what's tyrell i haven't i haven't heard of that tyrell is an interesting movie it's a another one of those uh race relation movies that we've been getting lately um this one's interesting because it is about a party and there is a black character named tyler who's invited to this party uh, where he's the only African-American, everybody else is white. And he, uh, he's, I think it's supposed to be pointing out like sort of microaggressions, micro racism, or at least the perception of it from his point of view. Like uh, somebody mistakenly calls him Tyrell when his name's Tyler. Um, and you just see, like, slowly he gets more and more uncomfortable with how these other guys are acting. From my perspective, I'm watching and I'm like, they're not doing anything wrong. You don't need to feel uncomfortable. They're not being racist towards you. They're just being themselves. Um, and I had to really, like, check myself and be like, just because that's my perspective doesn't mean that he has that same perspective it's a pretty interesting um movie to watch as far as uh just i don't know just seeing other perspectives um but yeah it it was pretty good um it's not something i'd watch again probably i have it at 157 for the year okay uh and then ben is back you saw yeah ben is back um so it seems like we're getting a lot of movies in twos that are similar so we had beautiful boy and then we have ben is back which is another movie uh about um a young person who's struggling with addiction to drugs and um the parents response to it this time we have julia roberts is a parent and um lucas hedges is her son who's um it's like his... he, are he and uh, Timothy Chalamet just like they go to the auditions. They're just like, you take this <laughs> one, I'll take the yes, next one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but I thought this was a really good movie. It's very different from from uh, Beautiful Boy. Um, this is more of a contained story, like over a period of one or two days, I think. Um, basically like julia roberts and her son have an awful night dealing with um the demons that lucas hedges character has and having to deal with other people in town you slowly learn more and more things about his character what he's done um his mom's getting more and more horrified by it it's very emotional very well acted um and it's a shame it kind of went under the radar. Uh, I think it's, as a whole, I think I like it better than Beautiful Boy. Um, I put this at 55 for the year. I, I would recommend it. Cool. Good. Um, and then you saw Dumplin'. 
Yes, Dumplin' was another Netflix film. It, it is about terrible. I I just <laughs> was not. I don't know. Yeah, um, I thought it looked better than it was, to be honest. So it's about uh, this mother who she was a Jennifer Aniston. She had been a beauty pageant uh, queen, and it's about her plus size daughter um, and just kind of the disconnect between them. I don't think it has a great message. Um, It's very superficial. Um, Seeing kind of the progression of Jennifer Aniston's character, it doesn't endear me to her at all. Um, Seeing them reconnect, it felt very like shallow. And I didn't think it was great. I liked the music. I liked, there's, there's a bit of Dolly in there, Dolly Parton. Um, so I appreciate that because I like Dolly. Who doesn't like Dolly? Right? Yeah, for real. Um, but overall, it wasn't, it wasn't very funny. It wasn't very dramatic. Um, it was just kind of there. I put it at 160 for the year. Okay. All right. Now, finally one that I've actually I have a bunch in a row now that I've seen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So Mary Queen of Scots. Uh, and so this is a very ridiculous version of <laughs> Mary Queen of Scots and Queen Elizabeth as far as historical accuracy. It, it, it's very, I think this is very similar to something like the other Boleyn girl. Uh, as far as historical accuracy Um, but I still actually really enjoyed it I thought uh, it was uh, I don't know I felt like got that sort of balance maybe it's not as good as maybe people don't like it as much as the favorite um, as far as outright laughter but I, I I was really entertained by it I thought it was just kind of I don't know I like sort of period pieces that have a little tiny bit of camp uh and i liked um uh both of the leads uh, i mean towards the end you have this ridiculous scene with elizabeth and mary uh <laughs> meeting uh face to face in this like in this barn or whatever <laughs> it was ridiculous but i don't know i just still enjoyed it for whatever reason maybe i was just in the right yeah. mood i liked it yeah, it's interesting because that's the only scene they're together in the whole film. <laughs> and they um, never met in real life, of course. Right. That is ridiculous, but yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought this movie was going to be very boring, very, like, I don't know, the worst kind of uh, this, this kind of film. Um, it was actually better than I expected. I was entertained. Um, I liked... Some of the side stories I thought were the most interesting part, like uh, the stuff going on with her, her gay friend. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good for what it was. I mean, it's not a standout film. I, I'm, I'm satisfied that it's been overlooked for the, this award season. I don't think it's quite to that caliber. But for what it is, it's, it's not bad at all. So, well, uh, I mean, costume and makeup, it deserved for sure. So, yeah yeah uh so um i have it at 62 i thought okay. it was fun i enjoyed okay. it i have it at 99 okay good all right and then we have uh mowgli legend of the jungle and this uh was andy circus's version of the jungle book 
and uh yeah it was not great i just watched this this week as well and they caught up with it and it was very forgettable i thought it was pretty boring they just Mm -hmm. didn't do anything interesting with any of the characters they tried to take it on this darker uh path than the john favreau version but i don't know it just it was just a lot of characters talking and and just not anything that was memorable or interesting or that yeah. I really liked. Uh, yeah, it wasn't very good. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is that it it suffers um, in comparison to the, the version we got in 2016. You know, like, have you ever seen on YouTube where they, they like, have videos where somebody takes, like, a VHS recording and they record it onto a different VHS and then they record it that same moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it just kind of diminishes. That's that's kind of what we got here. Like it. Yeah, the visuals weren't nearly as good. Oh no, they close. weren't. Um, and and honestly, like this movie traumatized me, but not in a good way. Uh huh. They do something with with oh, a character yeah. that I thought was very very upsetting and very very cheap to do that like yeah and just very like brushed aside it's not yeah. even given like emotional weight of like boom you know here's this huge thing it's kind of and and yet so we're like traumatized as an audience but like the movie doesn't deal with that trauma in any kind of interesting way if that makes sense and it doesn't earn it like no it didn't deserve to have that moment and i don't know that alone is enough for me to tell people don't watch this because they pull this stunt on you and it's crappy and it made me really angry at this movie yeah i get that yeah it was it was very cheap i agree with you as far as that moment for sure um i have it 131 okay i have it at 165 okay yeah it was definitely disappointing and i understand why they did not release it into theaters for sure (laughs) that was a good smart move uh, all right then we had once upon a deadpool and so i have never seen a uh, deadpool movie before so i thought i was the perfect kind of test case to mm-hmm. see this film because they're trying to do a pg-13 version of deadpool which i think is kind of an interesting thought experiment to kind of do um but i really didn't like it like at all i (laughs) i liked some of the i guess there were a few good jokes between fred savage and deadpool but i don't know if i would just not like deadpool at all but i thought that i i didn't think it was funny and um i thought that the action was really not that great and i thought that the kid from hunt for the wilder people was really bad and like (laughs) i don't know i just i was really underwhelmed and i didn't really like it oh well that's too bad i mean i can't say anything because i haven't seen this version Mm -hmm. um but i did like deadpool 2 uh so i'm i'm kind of curious i mean this is kind of weird because we both have seen one version i know we can't really compare (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. um did you like that X Force scene with them uh, jumping out of the, out of the plane? I guess I don't know. Oh, I, I love that part. <laughs> I didn't think it was. I don't know. It was just. I don't know. I I didn't love it. I, I it was just not my style of humor. I guess. Okay, that's fair. Um, 
and yeah i'm trying to think of i mean the french savage stuff actually was probably the part that made me laugh actually laugh but most yeah. of the stuff i was just kind of like eh. <laughs> it's just not my style of humor um the fred savage stuff is all just in what's wanted it. Yeah, yeah that's right and to be fair it does have worse like much worse reviews than deadpool 2 does so yeah. maybe maybe it really just doesn't work taking out that r-rated material i don't know and they did give uh i think at least a portion or a bunch it was actually for charity so that was how they kind of uh they kind of were able to sort of explain away the cat like it's not it's not a as much a cash grab as it might otherwise have been mm -hmm. but anyway i did a number 139 i didn't enjoy it i was disappointed so all right then we had bird box and this uh, was on netflix and i actually read the book and i really enjoyed the book the book was very good at building tension and the movie was disappointing i i thought that particularly anything in the house because in the house in the book they have um uh tom and gary have like very different sort of philosophies on how to live and and like and they spend all this time together and so it builds tension builds tension builds tension uh and uh and it was so much better i thought a lot of the stuff was sort of weirdly played for laughs in the house which i didn't like in that whole scene where they're driving was so lame and i didn't like it whereas like in the book they're going house to house to get food and that's way more like understandable and believable and way more tense because there's all these like i don't know it was just so ridiculous this driving and uh, but the part i liked was i liked i thought they did the river part pretty good i thought sandra bullock mm -hmm. was good the her and the kids in the in the river those scenes i thought were pretty good and pretty true to the book and pretty good and i liked that but overall i was disappointed in the film yeah so yeah i thought this movie was fine i watched it it, it didn't it, i thought i thought it was fine but what kind of annoyed me was seeing social media and how this just became a phenomenon mm -hmm. and air, literally everybody was talking about this movie and i wanted to be like hey wait guys there's so many other better movies you all could be talking right if you want a movie like this go see a quiet place like that's a great film mm -hmm. and it just was very frustrating to see kind of mediocre slightly better than mediocre film just like mm -hmm. become such a huge thing I th netflix i believe they said that 40 million accounts watch this film and it's in the first week yeah it's weird i was so immersed in christmas i kind of missed a lot of that hype and that yeah. thing um but uh but yeah i it's a shame too because a lot of people are like oh they just stole the idea from quiet place but that's oh. not true like the book had been yeah. around long before quiet place um but uh, i would just encourage people to actually if you liked it actually read i would recommend reading the book the book was mm -hmm. definitely better i don't know anyone that thinks the movie was better than the book in this case so yeah. if you liked it or even if you thought it had potential check out the book it was it was a good read and uh so anyway i have it at 119 okay uh we have 
pretty close and i have it at 123 mm, okay yeah it's just like things like in the uh in the book like the lead up to her sister uh you know to her sister's death like that was so like chilling and tense and in like the yep. movie she like stands in front of a bus like it just wasn't as good so i don't know frustrating uh so all right then we have if bill street could talk and here is my you didn't like any of the apocalypse here's my unpopular <laughs> opinion so this movie i found immensely irritating to watch i was very annoyed the whole time i felt like it felt like watching a play um but a not great play but with really good actors in the play and i just felt like nobody was talking like a human being it felt very staged and i guess that's part of the point but i found it very annoying i i didn't feel like i got to know these characters very well at all like they just spend a lot of time like staring at each other and we see images of them as babies and stuff but like i want to know more about like about them and what makes them tick and, and what makes them unique and I, I don't know. I just, I was very irritated watching this movie. It looks nice and I, I, it has pretty music. I, I, you know, I give it that, but, and I think the part with Regina King going to Puerto Rico, that was the only part that I thought felt real to me and didn't feel like a play. And I don't know. I just did. I really disliked it. It was not for me. So. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I think Barry Jenkins has a good way of taking these kind of non-cinematic stories and presenting them in a cinematic way. And I way. loved Moonlight. I, yeah. I absolutely okay. loved Moonlight. Yeah. So this, I mean, there's, there's no question that this is not as good as Moonlight. But I, I do think it worked for the most part. I mean, I get the whole, it felt like a play. It kind of, in that way, it kind of ruined it, reminded me of Fences, mm -hmm. uh, which I, I did not care for Fences. I think this is much better than that. Um, I don't know. It just felt like a very artistic take on a non-cinematic story. At least with Fences, I felt like I got to know those characters and who they are uh, by the end of it. I did not feel like I got to know really, aside from the fact that they were in love with each other, I didn't feel like I really got to know them i don't know well I, I felt like i got to know them maybe the the lead girl um uh tish i i probably didn't get to know her as well as the others but um i don't know i thought it was a strong effort and cinematography and score are definitely the highlights of this film um mm -hmm. regina uh regina king's performances is up there as well i think she's maybe getting a little more credit than she deserves compared to some of the other supporting actress performances i've seen but mm -hmm. overall i think it's a good film and i was i was surprised this was not up for best picture at the oscars uh yeah i was surprised but grateful <laughs> I, didn't like I mean come on this <laughs> This deserved it over Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. And I have it higher in my ranking than Bohemian okay. Rhapsody and Vice. So I guess that's okay. a fair point. But I have like a whole section of my ranking of sort of, I have right around the same spot. I have Widows, Support the Girls, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, If Bill Street Could Talk, and Sorry to Bother You were like my unpopular opinions. Of okay. 
there's movies that didn't connect with me <laughs> like they did with many others so that's fair yeah i'm at 123 okay i have it at 74 okay good all right so then we have roma so this is alfonso Cuarón's uh movie about uh these women in mexico and uh particularly the one the maid uh named cleo and i actually i mean i really enjoyed this movie i mean i don't enjoy it is the right word but i was very moved mm -hmm. by it i it is beautiful uh and i guess this is similar to a feel could talk but this one is the one that I, I connected with uh as far as sort of a day in the life kind of uh talk, talking about these people in this time and place and i particularly thought anything involved with her pregnancy was devastating and yes. just oh that scene uh in the uh in the birthing room was devastating yes. it made me cry oh i was crying and i i thought that it was very non-judgmental of its characters and i did feel like i got to know the characters well and i really thought it was a beautiful movie it's my favorite of the oscar best picture nominees okay um yeah so i think this is the front runner to win best picture and I think it very much deserves it. Yeah. Um, I really love this film. Yeah. Did you Did you get to watch it in the theater? Did I you watch didn't. Because okay. the, the only place it was playing here was at the Tower Theater, which is kind of a pain to get to. And the screen really isn't that big. So I'm like, eh. <laughs> like it's kind of a small, it's fun. It's nostalgic. It's a fun theater. But um, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> it's not going to be that different. I'm just watching it at home. <laughs> but enough. anyway yeah i did i did see this in the theater oh, and nice. and i'm glad i did um which actually that same theater they're bringing it back um in a couple of weeks oh, for cool. a, a special extra yeah screen. it's it's a bummer it's not part of the um amc uh, or cinemark oh right uh, oscar uh, right you know whatever they call it mm -hmm. uh, so yeah because of netflix i guess when I watched this, I didn't realize how personal the story was for the director. I didn't realize it was about his childhood, his housemate. Um, and it just, like, knowing that now, it all kind of clicks. It's it's like a love letter to this person who was the second yeah. mom to him. Yeah. And, it, like, people like this can often be overlooked, like, that family they could be wrapped up in, in themselves and not uh -huh. think about this this life that she's having outside of being dedicated to them and raising them and just the whole presentation was it was beautiful and yeah. cinematography was great uh -huh. um yeah i i would i would be surprised at this point if this does not win best picture and i think best director as well yeah, I'll be very happy if it does win because uh, it is my favorite of the nominees. Uh, mm -hmm. This and then Stars Born is my second favorite. Yeah. Um, and I have it at 11. Okay. I have it at 28. Um, might be a little bit too low. I've been, I've actually been itching to watch this again. It's so. tough. Really, my top 30, maybe even more, are they're all so different and i like them all for different reasons so it was very tough making my top 15 yeah but um but anyway so, so yeah the, 
this is my third favorite of the best picture nominees. The favorite is my favorite. The star is born is my second favorite. Yeah. Just as far as like entertainment, this is not the most like entertaining of them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's probably why I have it at third, but technicality, it's definitely the best. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I have, uh, yeah. Then green book is my number four. And then Mm -hmm. I have black Klansman and then the favorite oh and then black panther and then the favorite okay uh, anyway all right so uh then we are at where are we okay then we're at the house that jack built so you saw this this is um a crazy director i forget his name yeah um, it's yeah. lars von sure. I, I don't remember his his name yeah. but i've never I seen d- any of his movies but i haven't yeah. either i know a lot of people talk about an infomaniac um which i never watch um but this this movie i just kind of watched it on a whim not never have i hadn't seen a trailer didn't really know anything about it um but man i was glued to my television i watched it at home wow this this was very very intense it was very funny it was very dark it's very twisted would not recommend it to Rachel. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. But, um, wow, I was I was very compelled. Basically, it is about this serial killer. He's talking to an, an unknown figure, and he's basically going through the greatest hits of people he's killed. Um, and they do it in a very entertaining way. Uh, there's lots of of humor added in there. Um, I really like this and I would love to watch it again. Um, I have this ranked at number 16 for the year. Oh, wow. I was expecting that's very interesting. Okay, cool. Um, So you got to see Vox Lux. I heard that was very divisive. Yeah. And I can see why. Um, I wanted to like this more than I did. And I do think it has a lot of good to it. Um, It didn't, all come together it didn't all work for me uh it felt a little pretentious um i thought natalie portman did great she she was very strong in this um the singing in this movie it's about this uh pop star who started out um she got notoriety after there was a school shooting and she wrote a song and sang it at this memorial and that's what propelled her into stardom um, so she's dealing a, with a lot of, um, I guess, PTSD is the best way to describe it, um, even as an adult now. Um, but yeah, this the singing in this movie is not strong. Oh. The, the dancing in it is not good at all, which kind of surprised me because Natalie Portman was very good in Black Swan. Um, but her younger counterpart, who also plays her daughter, she plays her younger self and her daughter. Uh Um, She's so awkward when she dances. Her singing is awful. So it could have been better if, if the daughter had been cast differently, I think. And if the songs were better, I don't know. I still enjoyed it enough to rank it at 88 for the year, but I wanted, I wanted more. Mm, okay 
Very good. All right. So then they shall not grow old. I really wanted to see this, but I just haven't, I haven't yet, but I really wanted to. Yeah. So this is a documentary that uh, Peter Jackson has done about World War One, which I, I guess it's a, uh, he, he has a special interest in World War One. He had a grandfather who fought in it. Um, he has a lot of um, like memorabilia from World War One that he personally owns. Um, so he was asked to uh, do this documentary with this footage that is over a hundred years old now. Um, so he took this and restored it, added color, added um, voices to it. It's really incredible what Peter Jackson managed to do with this. As far as a film i wasn't i wasn't super entertained by it it's uh-huh. what they did it's narrated completely by world war one veterans from old tapes um that were recorded in like the 50s and 60s um and i counted at the end during the credits 109 different veterans uh narrates so if that oh. tell you, tells you anything, there's no sort of cohesive narrative. It's just one voice talks for 10 to 20 seconds, then you go immediately to a different voice. And that's the entire film, is just these voices overlaid on this film. So there's no sort of narrative. Um, I, I respect... that they had that much footage. I didn't even yeah. realize that, like... Because you're talking, uh, I think, you know, World War One ended in 1918. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yep. I, I didn't even think they had, like, a lot of, like, a lot of, I mean, that was just the early days of film. Uh-huh. I didn't even think they had, you know, footage. I, I, I'm amazed. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, they have a little, he had a lot of footage. This, this was a four-year project that he was working on, like, going through all of this film. A lot of it was in very bad condition, um, so he was able, like, he was able to restore it all. Um, probably my favorite part of this was after the credits, they had this special thing, at least in the showing I went to. I don't think they do this for every showing, but after the credits, they had like an additional thirty minutes that actually went in and showed how they restored all this this footage. Um, there's one interesting part where it shows um, kind of this commander talking to um, his his uh, his army his what I don't know the word for it but uh-huh. they're all listening to him give a speech and he's looking down and reading a paper and they have like a voice saying what he's saying and they they discussed at the end how they had this footage. They had no idea what the guy was saying, so they actually had to do a lot of detective work, and they found, like, in the archives, there was some sort of inspirational speech that was dated that same date as this footage. So Peter Jackson took it, he read it, and he tried to see if he could match up the audio to the video, and eventually they found that it did match up. So it was really cool that they actually got to take the actual speech and overlay the audio into mm-hmm. this video footage. 
So that's the crazy. end. Yeah, the ending where it shows kind of the behind the scenes. That was by far the best part of this. As a movie itself, it was a little, a little boring. Uh huh. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I I definitely uh, I definitely want to see it eventually, but I can understand that. Uh, so then you saw there's a whole bunch here that you have only yeah. seen. Uh, I, so sorry, I I ranked that 185. Oh okay. Uh, so then you saw Cold War. I've really been wanting to see this as well, but I just haven't been able to. I really would like mm. to. Yeah, like I said, this is a very strong year for foreign films, and Cold. Cold War is one of the one of the best I've seen as well. Um, beautiful film. This is it's interesting because uh, the the uh, if you look at the best cinematography category at the Oscars this year, it's the majority of them are foreign films uh, with Roma, Cold War, and Never Look Away. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, this is such a beautiful film. This is another very personal film. This is uh, the director. I forget his name it's um yeah i don't remember his name but this is basically about his parents relationship um or maybe it was his grandparents i think it was uh-huh. his parents um but you kind of have this um this director meets this young actress uh that he basically discovers her and they have such a volatile relationship and it follows them over a span of I think like 20 years, 15 to 20 years. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very beautiful, great score. Um, I think it's worth watching. Um, it can be kind of, uh, kind of hard to get behind these characters because they, they're really awful to each other at times, especially the woman. Like she, <laughs> She really, uh, she goes through some pretty crazy mood swings, but very strong film. I ranked this 84 for the year. Okay, cool. Uh, then you saw Welcome to Marwin. I was going to, but then it had such bad reviews that I was just like, I'll wait and, uh, and see it. So I haven't seen it. Um, what do you think? Yeah, this was a disappointment for me. Um, we have Steve Carell and um, he had been attacked his character had been attacked by these um, Nazis. But most of the plot of the film is centered around these dolls and this plot that he's created in his head. Um, And I wish they had gone a different direction because I found it very hard to care about this, um, this plot that he was creating for these dolls. Um, it just didn't feel like there were many stakes. I wanted to know more about the character himself, the conflicts he was having outside of the dolls he created. Um, so yeah, this was pretty disappointing. I put it at 173 for the year though. Okay. Um, and then destroyer. That's when you saw. Yes. I just saw that. Um, I was looking forward to this. This is uh, Nicole Kidman. It's kind of a re- revenge uh, film. Uh, watching it though, I was disappointed. It's very heavy. There's hardly any levity to it. Nicole Kidman's character is just like in such a dark place over something that happened to her 17 years prior. I believe either 17 or 19 years. And I don't feel like 
the darkness surrounding her characters really earned in a new way. Like uh, she, sure she went through some trauma, but nothing that would make her into the shell of a person that she is nearly 20 years later. It had um, an interesting twist to it by the end, but I I did feel like it was kind of anticlimactic and pretty disappointing as a whole. Strong acting, but I don't know. I, I just wish she had been more dynamic of a character. So I put this at 135 for the year. Okay. Uh, and then on the basis of sex, what did you think of that? Uh, yeah, th- this one, I wasn't sure what to expect. I had seen the RBG documentary, which I, I really enjoyed that. I didn't think this would um, like stand up to RBG and be on the same level. But to my surprise, it actually was. Um, I... I really got into the story, even though I basically watched the same story in this documentary. But I thought the acting was well was well done. Um, the story was presented in a strong way. Um, it was a, a very good uh, biopic for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, I think anybody who watches this would feel like she's an inspiration, regardless of politics. I said the same thing about RBG. So, yeah, I would recommend this. I put this at 67 for the year. Hmm. Cool. It looked so generic to me, but... It's better than it looks, yeah. Okay, good, good. All right, Um, then Stan and Ollie, that just came out this week uh, here in um, Utah. So Mm -hmm. I haven't gotten to see it yet. Yeah, this is... uh, This was pretty decent. Um, It's not a super cinematic story. This isn't following... um, Laurel and Hardy throughout their whole career. It's basically at the end of of their uh, career working together. Um, a lot of what this film relies on is the humor that Laurel Laurel and Hardy had uh, throughout their career. But I don't I don't feel like that humor stands up to um, what we expect from films today. So while the audience was cracking up at their shtick, I guess, I just wasn't laughing. It wasn't funny to me. Uh-huh. Um, the acting was well done. Um, that was definitely the strength, was uh, the acting. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I didn't love it. I put it at 125. Okay. Um, then we actually have a movie that I've seen uh, <laughs> called Modest Heroes. This is a, there's a studio called Studio Ponek who, that was founded after Studio Ghibli uh, closed down. Uh, the, the two head uh, animators, uh, Miyazaki and Takahata, both had retired. So they created this new studio, Studio Ponek. They had made a movie last year, uh, 2017 uh called mary and the witch's flower which was pretty but it was fine uh, but it wasn't great um but uh and then, so they i guess were going to do another feature but they just couldn't get the resources so they decided to make this anthology and the hope is to continue and making these anthology films of shorts and you don't see a whole lot of animated 
short anthologies released into the theaters, uh, particularly anime, very rare. Uh, and I, I guess originally they were planning on it having one more because it's barely 60 minutes, this thing. Um, and they were going to have one from Takahata who has, but then passed away. So they ended up with just the three shorts. And I, I thought that they were fine, but very forgettable. And, uh, the second one was probably my favorite, uh, which was all about this kid who has this terrible allergy to eggs and the stress because all supposed to be these like everyday heroes and one's like a fantasy story uh, about these crab people and these kids that end up anyway i don't know um and then that that fight off this big fish and then the second one is about this mom so it was sort of celebrating this mom this hero and it was i mean you don't see a lot of anime that are like contemporary in an urban setting like that so it was kind of refreshing and uh the ending it kind of ended weird i thought but it was it was pretty pretty decent and then uh then the last one was all about this invisible man uh who is kind of this it's very allegorical that this man is like invisible but he's not like really invisible but he looks invisible for the moon anyway um and yeah it was just very they were very forgettable for me um so i did not give it a fresh score i felt this was like the first moment when i really felt like i was on a the felt the true amount of my power on Rotten Tomatoes because <laughs> I gave it a, a rotten review and it went because it only had probably six reviews and it went from 100% to 83% my review. Way to go. I know. I'm a terrible <laughs> supporter of animation. Um, but I have it at number 25 in my 2019 rankings because uh, I have 31 including all the Sundance movies. So there you okay. go. Um, then there is the movie The Pledge. What's that? Yeah, well, it's called Pledge. Um, it is basically a movie about these uh, three college boys who are wanting to pledge for a fraternity. Um, so this takes place. So like a horror movie? Um, yeah, it is a horror movie. It's basically they um, are, are going um, through this hazing process that takes a very dark turn um, very quickly. Things get very intense. There's a big twist to it at the end, which I appreciated. Um, overall, it felt it felt kind of uh, low budget and amateur, but <clears throat> like a strong amateur effort, if that makes any sense. So it, it has pretty good reviews, but I put it at number eight for the year so far out of uh, 12 films that I've seen this year. Okay. Then uh, we have Dragon Ball Super Broly. Uh, so I really enjoyed this. I thought it did a really, I thought the animation was really cool. I thought it did a good job of developing Broly as a character, uh, as, you know, kind of given his backstory. I really uh, liked the fact that Frieza Fri Fri was just like an old school, like villain, you know, with like a wicked laugh. And I feel like, so many movies now we got to have like this complicated backstory and we have to have be all sympathetic you know like thanos or whatever and like they tried i don't know this was just refreshing to me like it felt like a saturday morning morning cartoon with this like old school evil crackling villain uh, i thought it was fun and uh, it's not as good as some of the other um like i really liked my hero academia 
some of the other uh anime that we got um in a similar style uh, but if you like the franchise i think it was really solid cool yeah so i have I, it at um i have it at number 10 yeah I'd, i've never seen anything dragon ball z so i know nothing about it <laughs> <laughs> okay good um so last one uh standoff at sparrow creek what is yeah <clears throat> so <clears throat> this is a, a movie i didn't really know anything about um i like it when i can go to a movie theater and just blindly watch a movie without any sort of background without having seen a trailer mm-hmm. that's what's uh, fun about sundance because you know you're just getting these all like some of them were just finished the week of the festival mm-hmm. so it's kind of a fun energy about it but anyway. yeah yeah so um i just saw this this past week at the movie theater and so basically this is about a militia group um kind of anti-police militia group and this takes place over one night they find out that there was a shooting at a police funeral um near their hidden bunker where they keep all their weapons and stuff um so they get together this militia and they realize that one of their guns is missing so they start pointing fingers at each other being like okay so it was one of us who did this shooting at this police funeral and it's basically a whodunit in a very creative way um trying to figure out who who took this gun who did this shooting there's a lot of twists and turns along the way it was actually really creative um my my biggest complaint is you don't really get to you don't really get to uh, have any characters that you know enough about to really root for them. They're kind of, a lot of them are unlikable. Um, So it's really hard to have sort of an investment in, um, in anybody outside of the main character, I would say. Um, But yeah, I I thought it was uh, a creative take on a whodunit. And um, Yeah, I'd recommend it. I put this in number four for the year so far out of 12. Good. All right. So real quick, I'm going to do my super speedy round where I uh, summarize my movies I saw at Sundance. And I'm going to do an order of my ranking. And if you want to learn more, you can listen to my podcast that I did on Sundance. Good. I'm looking forward to this. All right. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here we go. 25. I have the sunlit night. Jenny Slate can't save this. It was very boring. It was poorly made. The ADR didn't match up the with the voices. It was technically not very good. And the story wasn't very good either. 20, 20, uh, 24. I have after the wedding. It's a remake of a Danish film, but all the characters were insufferable and selfish and they didn't like it. It's well made, well acted, but it was really irritating uh number 20 <laughs> number 23 is was the animation spotlight uh, i really don't usually like the animation spotlight there were two that were de- decent the rest were trying too hard to be edgy and were just kind of irritating and not my favorite um number 22 i have little the little zombies and this is a we are little zombies this is a art piece film to the extreme uh it uses strobe lights and lots of glaring images and it's not actually a zombie movie um it's about kids that are forming this band uh when they're orphaned uh it wasn't for me i can understand why other people like it uh it's just not my taste in art 
Number 21 is Halston. It's a documentary about the designer Halston, but it uh, had this really weird narration that set it up like a murder mystery, but it actually wasn't. It was just very weird, the choices they made, which was a shame because they had good interviews. Number 20, I have the exceedingly wicked extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile uh they took an interesting approach but in my opinion they did not it needed to be messier they did not show the uh ted bundy as being a bad guy really at all and like you were kind of i was sitting there thinking am i supposed to be rooting for this guy which was very weird it has some good performances but i just didn't like the tone and where they went with it. Number 19, have you seen The Last Black Man in San Francisco? This is similar to Sorry to Bother You. A lot of people will really like it and appreciate the artistic risk, but I found it very exhausting and shouty, and it just wasn't my taste in art, but other people will like it. Number 18, I have a photograph, which uh, was set up as a very conventional romantic comedy uh, about this girl who, uh, he, this guy who beats this girl who's out of his league uh but he asks her to pretend to be his girlfriend for his grandma but then they end it uh on a really unsatisfying note and they don't give you the closure that i needed so it was frustrating uh so there you go number 17 big popular at the at the festival but i didn't really enjoy it as much as other people was britney runs a marathon um i thought i would really like it because i am a plus-size athlete in my day and so i know what it's like but um she actually was just really rude and mean and unlikable and i didn't want to root for her so i didn't like it as much as other people i didn't like it really hardly at all <laughs> Number 16, I have Abe, which uh, is about this kid who is Muslim and Jewish, uh, both sides. Uh, I thought that he was good, as Noah Schnapp from Stranger Things is in it. He was good, but I thought that all the adults were the worst, and I hated them, so it took down the movie. Um, 15 is Velvet Buzzsaw, which we'll talk about in our wrap-up for the <laughs> next thing. Um, I thought that it had some fun horror set pieces, uh, you know, like sort of melted paintings, kill, you know, certain things I thought were fun. Uh, I thought it had some funny moments as far as making fun of these pedantic art people um but it wasn't as clever or as creepy as i thought it was but it was just barely fresh for me uh number 14 i have moonlight sonata the deafness in three movements this is a documentary where this woman she profiles her son who is deaf and her parents and they all get the cochlear implants that make them to be able to hear and the experience and it was a little dry but it, it was had a lot of sweet moments so it was pretty good uh 15 paddleton this is a cute story about sad story about friendship platonic friendship between mark duplass and ray romano uh as the mark duplass character is dealing with cancer it was very sweet and touching and actually quite funny um 12 is troop zero this is in the spirit of napoleon dynamite and those kind of indie very quirky type of comedies a lot of people will get irritated by it but i thought it was cute enough the kids were really cute it's about these kids trying to get badges so they can get um enter this contest to record on a record uh, that will go up into the moon for aliens uh to listen to anyway it was cute enough it has a good cast villa davis is good in it and allison janney good jim gaffigan so i enjoyed it uh 11 is love antosha which is a documentary about uh about anton yelchin and he was pretty amazing how many movies and how many other things that he did in his short life i didn't know that he had cystic fibrosis and uh it was really tragic to see his parents 
and how they've had to deal with this loss of their only child. It was pretty sad. Uh, number 10 is Words from a Bear. This is a documentary about Scott Mamaday, who is the first, her first Native American to win the Pulitzer Prize. He was a really cool, he's a really cool guy and he has like an amazing voice. He could have a career as a voice actor and I think that James Earl Jones should play him in a movie. Um, number nine was The Farewell. This stars Aquafina as this woman who, uh, whose grandmother is going to gets uh, going to pass away, but in Chinese culture they don't tell her that, and so they all go. They they her cousin gets married as an excuse for them to all see their grandma. And as someone who loves uh, my grandma very much, it really was worked for me. It was really good, emotionally true. I liked it. Uh, it's a little pacing isn't perfect, but. I have it in nine. Number eight is Sweetheart. This is a really fun monster movie uh, about this girl who gets uh, um, gets stranded on a desert island, a deserted island, but there's this creature that's out to get her. And uh, it, it was really pretty, pretty fun little uh, monster movie. Number seven is The Witch Hunters. This is a Serbian film about this kid with cerebral palsy who becomes friends with this girl and the, whose family is getting separated and they get, become convinced that her dad's new girlfriend is a witch and, uh, and because she has brews her own kombucha and does yoga and stuff. And it was really charming, really sweet, really heartfelt. I really enjoyed it. Number six is The Mustang. This is a movie about this uh, man played by Matthias Schoenhardt who is uh, working at or serving at this uh, prison where they have this uh, program to tame these wild Mustangs and then sell them at auction. And he is this very angry man. You start to sort of learn more about his backstory and he bonds with this wild Mustang uh, through the course. And it was, it was really good. It was a lot better than I expected. Um, number five is the elephant queen, which is an amazing nature documentary where they, it's obviously about these elephants, but it's also about many other creatures and it's really cute and amazing cinematography. And I really enjoyed it. Number four is late night. This is a big talk about of the festival uh emma thompson plays this uh woman who's been on late night television for many years and uh mindy kaling who wrote and directed it plays this woman who is hired kind of as a diversity hire and uh it was funny it was sweet it had a little bit of romance it had something to say but it didn't beat you over the head with it really charming i think people will really like it it was really good. Number three is The Report with Adam Driver. This movie was very stressful to watch, but I really appreciated the fact that it pulled no punches and it was very critical of the Bush administration and the Obama administration almost equally about how they handled the uh, this this report about um, enhanced interrogations and Dan Jones is the lead character played by Adam Driver and he was amazing. There was kind of a Mr. Smith goes to Washington moments at times. It was really good. Uh, then number two is, is Maiden. I love underdog sports documentaries. We know that from the past and this was so good. It was about the first all women uh, sailing crew that did the race around the world. And it was very well done with vintage footage, but also new interviews and you were just rooting for this team and it was very inspirational and i really enjoyed it number one my number one favorite the one to look forward to coming up is blinded by the light this is directed by uh grinder chada who directed uh bend it like beckham and this is a lot of people have said oh this is the next sing street and this is actually i think the next sing street it <laughs> it is um about this kid in 1987 who is this Pakistani kid and he doesn't get along with his dad and he 
uh, who's very traditional, and he ends up finding uh, the music of Bruce Springsteen. And I'm not even that big of a Springsteen fan, but this movie was joyful. It was exuberant. It made me happy. It was so fun, and I just really loved it. And there you go. That's it. Nice. How did I do? Sounds like some interesting ones in there. (laughs) (laughs) Ding. Uh, as they get released, what people think of them, and we'll, right. have, we'll have a lot of fun talking about them eventually. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, there you go. We've talked about it all. So, let us know what you think of these various films. If you got to see any of them, what your uh, ranking would be, I guess. And uh, <laughs> so, the favorite was your top one of the ones we talked about, correct? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, Yep, and I really like the house that Jack built as well. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah, Shoplifters would be my favorite of all the ones that we talked about in this episode. And then Anna and the Apocalypse and Roma would be my favorites. Mm-hmm. So, very good. All right. Well, great. So, how can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, the David Healy. And uh, you can find us both on Facebook at Film Freaks. Um, it's facebook.com slash Group. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews all over social media and on iTunes and on YouTube. So if you're listening on iTunes, please give us a, a, a rating and review. If you're listening on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up and a subscribe. We really appreciate it. And thanks so much. And we will, uh, yeah, we'll talk again soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>